he had such a fascinating upbringing, right? And it goes back to this like deep heritage, which didn't just come. It's like a multi generational heritage where he's they had a, a close upbringing, even with his grandparents who who lived across the road and were part of helping helping bring them up. So tied in with all that was this really tough, tough generations of moonshiners and i can't remember what they used to call them but people would like ferry ferry things along the various wetlands and rivers and they got paid nothing and it was wow it was real tough 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 job and so for them to get to the point of actually having a property was this real work ethic hadn't come through and that kind of shone through the rest of the way in which they were brought up and the values they were brought up on which was this almost like this work hard play hard mentality which is very 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 interesting so those those early years had a massive massive influence on him no doubt yeah huge work ethic yeah also jordan's parents they were quite humble very very reserved and then when you look at say jordan who's this very very outgoing overly confident person but he also had these virtues within him to to focus on what was important and to focus on what he wanted to focus on and i just find it so fascinating that he broke out of this this shell from being raised as being so so humble and so reserved yeah it's it's kind of like he just had this I guess at the start when you see him interviewed early days, he's pretty reserved, but you get him on a you know, onto a basketball court and he has to be the alpha dog. In fact, in any competition, he will not want to lose. He's the most competitive person I've ever read about, so much so that, you know, in college they'd be having putting games in the corridor and um, Jordan had never played golf before at that time. I think this is one of his college roommates in the book talks about how he'd beat him at putting and then he'd come back two days later and Jordan had practised like for hours and hours and hours so that he could be competitive in this in this sort of hallway game. And there's another interesting one in the documentary where they're throwing coins against the wall, trying to hit a patch of a particular colour patch on the carpet and you can see the competitiveness in him in that point. He just cannot have fun in that instance he must win to him that is fun i guess yeah i think that is his fun winning winning is where it gets fun for him yeah and and just seeing how far he can kind of push it and and how hard he takes it is where he seems to see that there's the fun in it i think magic johnson was noted as saying that he thought he was the most competitive person on the earth until he met michael jordan and he realised he was nowhere near it. <laughs> yeah. So then he joined the Bulls. He did. So he joined the Bulls and, look, he started strong. Like in his rookie year, he averaged like 28 points and he took the team from winning 35% of the games in the previous three seasons to playoff contenders. So as soon as he turned up to preseason, his energy just stood people up, you know, and it was clear he was the best player on the team after like the first three preseason sessions. 
and people were just starting to say, hey, something special is happening here. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's kind of where he really starts fitting in with the Bulls and Jerry Krause starts to build a team around him who's the general manager of the Bulls. I noticed that um, in the – I've only seen half of the the episodes in the Netflix series. It's an, just a confession. But they seem to glaze they're, over that. They're absolved. Yeah. I've lost, I've lost my all right to talk about this. No. You've <laughs> read a book. You, it counts. They seem to glaze over the NBA draft piece and – they, they, it sort of just looks like it just came out, you know, that the Chicago Bulls had decided then and there, no one else knew about it, that they were going to pick Jordan. Whereas there's all these massive amounts of negotiation going on in the background, which was primarily led by his mum. And so she was, she was like negotiating on his behalf quite strongly to ensure that he got the best possible deal. And one of those one of those parts of the deal was I think something that allowed the Nike deal to come off in the way that it did because there was some restrictions in typical deals that didn't allow players to do that. It also meant that he had like a longer-term contract, which is where he became known as not getting paid much through the NBA. Sure, yeah. that's, that's correct, but he was paid for everything else outside of the NBA. But this kind of goes back to his code, like, and... There's been a few points where that's kind of sticking out, you know, like he never tried to re- really renegotiate that deal. All throughout the book he stuck to that deal and honoured it. And I think for him a deal's a deal, you know. And he made that deal and it was on him to go out and absolutely dominate as much as he could for that deal, you know, because mm. that's what was agreed with Reisdorf. Yeah, although Reisdorf was like renowned for never, ever renegotiating a deal. Which is probably not a bad stand given <laughs> the uh, amount of, I suppose, money that's involved in these things. And, you know, I think Jordan was pretty pissed off at Scotty Pepin when he kind of took this kind of action against them and said, well, look, you signed this deal. Yeah, you're not getting paid much, but we've got a job to do here. And it's really interesting that he was able to be coached I still find that quite fascinating because he's such an outsized, driven person, individual, you know, that he was able to kind of be taught by people. He didn't think he was so big that he was bigger than the coaches and the staff like Dean Smith and Phil Jackson and Doug and all those guys that he was coached by. He seems to still be able to be coached and to listen to authority in some senses but then he was such a hard teammate and a bully to his teammates and would like get in fights with them and Do you want to talk more about the bullying? The first right? year kids and well I mean it goes into a bit of detail about some of the ways he made people uncomfortable but he'd test you out you know so you'd come to training and this is when he was like Michael Jordan you know the real deal the best player to ever live You'd come to training and he'd pick on you first session. So he'd see you out, you're playing your practice matches or whatever, and he would just try and humiliate you until he got a rise out of you. And if you rose to him and said, you know, fuck off, Michael, or whatever, and stood up to him, he'd be like, all right, I respect you now, right? He no, wanted you don't, to see you don't, you you don't, any fight. 
in you. He'd only respect you if if you could play well and you yes, and you did that. Sorry. <laughs> if you were useless, just get stuffed, you know. And his way of being teammate was to just intimidate others into being better. <laughs> and it, it so was, they were, there's this constant dynamic of they're all terrified of him and kind of hate him, but he's such a god on the field or on the court they can't help but kind of love him for what he's doing, you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of feeling I got. None of them would kind of come out right and say it in the book or in the documentary except for in the book uh, The Jordan Rules where a few of the players like Horace Grant, I believe, is alleged to have leaked a lot of stuff to the media about Jordan beating up teammates and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's just a super weird dynamic that he's so aggressive with his teammates but it's kind of got this some kind of weird respect for certain rules and things. You know, Jordan, he's won six championships. He's the best player that's ever lived and you can tell he's so dirty about not, he's like, we could have won seven, you know. <laughs> they broke the team up. You could have won seven, you know. Like He's still filthy about that. But the the issue the issue with Jordan is he would have done that at seventy. Was said we could have won eight. <laughs> yeah, I'm like sure it would have just kept going. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so it was sort of eighty seven, eighty eight. He lost to the Pistons, and yeah, I think that that's when they sort of changed coaches. And this is around the time that someone Jerry Krause had brought in Tex Winter, who had been with the previous coach Doug Collins and had Jerry's been saying, use Tex, use Tex's basketball offense, you know. And anyway, he, he sort of saw Phil and brought Phil in as an assistant coach then gave him the coaching role and said, you can coach but listen to this bloke. And this guy Tex Winter had come up with this triangle offense and it's kind of touched on in the doco but it goes into detail about it in the book that this was a really old school but super effective and revolutionary way to kind of set the players up on the field. Yeah, we we're not we are not going to analyze the triangle. <laughs> but <laughs> just put put a line through it there. I sort of started and I was like, yeah, oh, I, I, heard is, you, I heard you, I heard you, I heard you. Dangerous territory. I heard you clawing us into a into a early grave there, mate. So we Well, I'm well, basically they all line up on the field in this and so you've always and you move in a particular way so there's always two passes. So you've always got a few options of where to pass the ball. So you, you're forming the shape of a triangle, is that right? Yes. Okay, good. It's good to know. <laughs> I'll draw a diagram. Yeah, you get, you get, us, get us up on the blackboard, mate. You can take us through a couple of triangle plays. So the, <laughs> the really exciting thing about this was bringing in Jackson was like another level up to this team. So the way that Collins had coached, which was the previous coach before Jackson, was it was it was pretty well get Michael with the ball. Yeah. It's like feet. How do we clear out the rest of the team so that Michael can have the ball? So that he can Michael can do his thing. Whereas this was more of a team centric approach. And that was like it was almost like how do we get this star player to fit within this team centric mold? And I don't think anyone else could have done it other than Jackson no. and his approach. It's the perfect balance, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But it dipping up a really interesting thought for me because it's like this it's this constant balance, particularly in these type of games between, you know, 
is it the individual that's kind of winning this team, you know, winning for this team or making this team shine or is it the team itself? And I just can't imagine how a coach kind of balances that, particularly with a superstar on the team and how much kind of rope you give and how much you need to pull back in letting it happen. Because the fact is the impact that Jordan had on the ecosystem of basketball is it's never, never happened previously. It, it's just no. such a huge, huge change, not just, you know, from him playing as an individual, but the entire, the sport, the branding, the Nike partnership, everything else around it and the amount of change that that's happened. You know, it's, you look at say Zuckerberg in social media or Gates and Jobs in PCs or Coco Chanel, Oprah, all those guys, just absolute game changers in their in industries and ecosystems. And you wonder if they'd been constrained or hadn't been given enough rope or hadn't been given enough chance, like where would that industry be now? Or where would that, you know, all be sitting? Yeah. He practiced all these mindfulness kind of practices before it was cool and he let the players be individuals and treated them all slightly differently, which that's hard, you know. And then how do you keep the cohesion? He was a psychologist that Jordan was like, particularly when Jordan was making some of the politically charged decisions or tougher, you know, he's going through some of the tougher times you know, he'd be like, I don't want to talk to Phil because Phil will get in my mind. You know, he's the psychologist. He'll sort me out. I don't want that to happen. I want to stick with my decision. 